Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning. Thank you, worship team. Uh, My name is Mesh. I'm one of the pastors here at church at Meadowbrook, and we are glad you joined us this morning. Uh, Just before we get into the message this morning, just want to highlight a couple of things. Last night, we had a tremendous event here. Uh, We had a volunteer banquet, dessert night, for people that have pitched in and been a part of the ministries here in different aspects, and we celebrated them. And it was so good to be there last night and uh, to say thank you. And so if you weren't able to be there last night and you've been a partner of ministry here at Meadowbrook, we want to say thank you to you uh, for your time and your service and your efforts and your energy, because I know it's hard uh, because life is busy, but you take time to... Uh, participate here in building God's kingdom. So we're so grateful for that. I want to give you a shout out as well. So as well, to my left here, you can see this tree. And this tree represents people that have been partners in ministry, have been volunteers. Over 200 volunteers participate in ministries here uh, over the years here at Meadowbrook. And that's pretty exciting. Uh, And so that tree represents the names of people that have helped out. And if you have been attending Meadowbrook for a while and you're looking to get plugged in, we'd love to chat with you about how you can serve in your gifts and your abilities because it's a great way to get involved here at the church uh, to impact God's kingdom, to uh, connect with other people, rub shoulders, make friends, all those things. So again, last night was a great evening. And if you are looking to get involved, please let us know. But for folks who have been doing this for years, thank you so much because we are so grateful. We recognize that church would not function uh, without people pitching in like you do. So we're grateful for that. And as I start this morning, I want to talk about what it means to be a neighbor in the context of church, in our communities, and where we live. And there's a video I want to show you. I'm not going to talk about the video because hopefully the video will be self-explanatory and bring, bring back some memories for some of you that were younger. Uh, and some of you may not recognize this particular person we're going to watch, but in a minute, you'll have more of an understanding about who he is. Let's roll the video, please. Who remembers that show? Hands up. Now, for you folks that have no idea what we're talking about, Google it. Uh, You know, Mr. Rogers was known to interact with kids, but his heart was to connect with everybody. And uh, Fred Rogers was his name, and his show started in February 19th, 1968, and ran till the final episode, August 31st, 2001. And I love what he says about there about being a neighbor and inviting and connecting. Uh, I won't sing the song, but uh, he basically tells it, won't you be my neighbor, is one of the lines in this song. And I find it fascinating to think about how we can be neighbors to each other here in church, but also in our communities, uh, the people we interact with on a day-to-day basis, and how important that is for us to connect. We have an event coming up soon called Love Leamington Survey on Saturday, June 9th. And the premise of this activity, this event, is to look for ways to serve our communities, to serve our neighbors, whether it be painting a fence or cleaning a backyard, uh, the idea is to serve people and show the hands and feet of Christ in very practical ways. Last year when we did this, we offered old changes for single moms in the community and in our church, and we had different activities going on through the day where we helped clean backyards and fix things. It was a really powerful day for people. So as it comes up, this idea of being a good neighbor ties into this. So mark that down in your calendar, Saturday, June 9th, because we want you to start thinking about how you can get in your communities and serve people and come alongside. Because again, this is a great way to show people uh, who we represent, which is Jesus. Now, as we think about coming here this morning and this idea of being in church, I want to talk about loneliness and a few other things today. 
And there's a quote there, as you can read, and it says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Mother Teresa said that. And being lonely is a reality in our world today. It's a reality in our churches as well. And sometimes we forget that there's people that need encouragement, need relationship. And sometimes we can feel lonely even in a crowded room. A room such as this, there's probably people this morning that are feeling lonely, feeling disconnected. Uh, we can feel disconnected at work. We can feel disconnected in our families, at school, if you're in school. You can be a thriving business leader, and you can still feel lonely in your position because you're not connected relationally. And it's something that is hard because it's hard to equate how people are feeling lonely because people don't walk around with signs, do they, that say, I feel lonely. So how do we understand, what do we do as the church to help people that are feeling lonely? And again, maybe you've come here this morning and that's you. Maybe you're feeling that way today. Maybe you're feeling like you're not having community and you're feeling disconnected. And what's interesting is when we think about people that are lonely and how we can interject with people is by asking God. Because I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus will reveal to us who we can engage with and connect with when they're feeling lonely. Just uh, a week ago or so, I was praying through my day, and I typically pray this in my day. I ask the Lord to give me somebody in my path, bring somebody in my path, and I can encourage or come alongside. That's my daily prayer. How can I encourage somebody through the power of the Holy Spirit? And I was praying through it, and someone's name came to mind. And I reached out to this person and made a quick phone call and just said, hey, I was thinking about you. I prayed for them over the phone and just asked how they're doing. And in that moment, they were having a tough day, not because of that day, but prior to. And the Lord had led me to encourage them and to talk to them. And they really appreciated that. And it, it made me understand that Jesus can show us that there's people out there that are lonely. There might be people beside you that are feeling that. Uh, that are feeling disconnected. So as you think about that, I, I, I consider this, asking the Lord to show you who are people in your life that you know or don't even know that are feeling lonely and how can you interject and maybe come alongside to be an encouragement for people. Joss Whedon, he's the director of the movie The Avengers, said this, loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. Albert Einstein said, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. See, now, loneliness is not being alone. There's a difference being alone and being lonely. See, we can be alone. Oftentimes, I'll go for walks by myself. I'll kind of do my thing. I'm being alone, but I don't feel lonely. Jesus was great for that. He often went to the mountainside and prayed and reconnected with his heavenly father. And, but he wasn't alone necessarily in his spirit, but he was with Jesus, with God. And that's how we connected. And that's something we should be doing as well. We should take time aside to connect with God, uh, to be alone with him as well. That's important. What I'm talking about is this idea that we're feeling isolated and alone. Warren Wordsby, he's a pastor and a writer, said this, like many other feelings in our lives, it's easier to experience it than to define it. Loneliness is being all by yourself, even when you're surrounded by people. He went on to say, Loneliness is a feeling of isolation, even in the midst of a crowd. You feel unwanted, you feel unneeded, you feel as though there's nothing to live for. You feel as though nobody really cares anymore. That's loneliness. Loneliness eats away at the inner person. It saps you of strength. It robs you of hope. Loneliness, as it were put, a wall around you no matter how free you may feel. Years ago, Charles Waddell, he's a Christian preacher, a writer. Uh, he was attending an event in Kansas City, and he was going through the newspaper. And there was an ad that caught his eye, and this is what it said. It said, I will listen to you to talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. So he read this in the paper. And so he was curious. He thought, okay, 
I'm going to call this line to see what happens. So he called the line, and he asked the gentleman that was running this kind of idea, have you gotten many responses? And this guy just had the ad come out that day. He had over 40 to 50 calls within half of a day. And this guy met with people at a coffee shop, and he would sit there and not say anything. He would let people just talk, uninterrupted, and just let people talk. And that's what he did. And Swindoll thought it was a hoax, but it was real. And when I read that story, it kind of broke my heart uh, because there's people out there that are so desperate for community and connection uh, that they didn't respond to an ad like that. And maybe if you came here this morning and you saw an ad like that, you would possibly respond the same way. Uh, a place where you can be heard and listened to without interruption, where it kind of fills some of that void that we might be sensing. Uh, one of the things that Jesus did, uh, as we talk about how do we love people that are lonely, one of the things Jesus did, which is amazing to me, he loved people with an appropriate and encouraging touch. And there's lots of stories in the scripture where Jesus went alongside people and he would encourage them and touch them with healing and encouragement as well. And there's a great story out of Matthew 8. I'll read that to you. Verse 2, it says this. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am only, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. See, lepers were so despised in biblical times that they were not allowed to live in community with anybody else except for people that had leprosy as well. Among the 61 defilements of the ancient Jewish law, leprosy was actually second only to a dead body in seriousness. Meaning, if you touch the dead body, that's one thing. But if you touch a leper, it's just as bad. That's how ostracized they were in that community. Lepers were not allowed to come within six feet of any human being, including their own family. The disease was considered so revolting that lepers were not allowed to come within 150 feet of anyone when the wind is blowing. Lepers lived in the community by themselves. They were lonely. They struggled. And they did that so the disease itself would not be spread. Now, left untreated, people with leprosy can die in 10 years. It starts with fatigue. There's pains in the joints. There's all these things that happen. Your body just changes. And you don't look very good, do you? And what's fascinating to me as Jesus heals this man. See, Jesus didn't have to touch this person physically, did he? He often healed people without touching them. And yet Jesus shows us here, here's this man, it says again, Jesus reached out his hand and touched this man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. You know, I, I look at that as a great example for us. Now, I know in this day and age, I want to make very clear about this, that as you watch the news and the Me Too movement, all these things are going on in the world, that we obviously need to use wisdom in how we physically approach people. That's why I use the word appropriate contact. We're obviously not going to go walk around and just kind of, you know, hug people, unless you're one of those people on YouTube that has a big sign that says free hugs, and you walk around and do that. I wouldn't encourage that necessarily. What I'm saying, though, is this. Let's not take something that Jesus shared with us and distort it because of what the world's doing, what's going on in the world. We should be leading by example in this. We need to be using wisdom, but we should be able to come alongside and encourage people with a simple touch. And that touch can be a handshake. It can be a hug. It can be something appropriate that is welcomed by the other person. And Jesus showed us that when he did this, he broke actually a barrier. He broke a barrier that said and showed people that be, in spite of your physical struggle, I want to break the barrier and reach out to you. 
And there's people in our world today that don't look like us, that are different than us, that don't play the part necessarily, that we sometimes don't reach out to because they are not just like us. Just recently, about a week or so ago, I was in our community here, just kind of walking around, and I met a guy. He was shopping at a store. And he looked disheveled. He didn't smell very good. Uh, he was just one of those guys in the community that probably got shunned quite a bit. And he was just walking in the store, and I started to talk to him. How you doing? How's your day going? We just started to talk, small talk. We talked for about 10 minutes. And it was a good conversation. I invited him here, you know, and encouraged him, and I told him who I was and all those sort of things. And as before I left, I stuck up my hand. And I said, brother, it's good to meet you. And I reached out, and he looked at me with this shocked look, like, you want to touch me right now? You're reaching out with your hand? Are you kidding me? That's what he literally looked like. And he stuck out his hand back, and I shook it. I looked him in the eye. I said, it's really good to meet you. And I laughed. See, that, I believe, was a God moment. And in, in that gentleman's life, I believe it was an encouragement for him. Because here's somebody that doesn't know him, reached out physically just to say, it's good to meet you. And I think Jesus is showing us that exactly here to say, look, there's going to be people that are different than us. And we obviously need to use wisdom. But let's reach out. Let's not be afraid if somebody looks different than us. And that includes the people in our own church. There's people here that come by every Sunday that just need an encouragement, need a handshake, need a simple side hug. Whatever it is that the Lord leads you in, it's an important thing to do. And let's not, again, distort what the world is doing and make us go like, okay, we should, not, we should avoid it completely. No, I, I disagree. We as a church, and the church universally, should be leading by example in this area. Let's obviously be careful in what's kind of going on, but let's be wise about that as well. So Jesus showed love by physical touch, and he was so good at that. Another way that Jesus showed love was listening. Great story out of Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Let me read this to you, starting at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What's fascinating to me is the story is that here's this man in this huge crowd. And in spite of the big crowd, Jesus still hears this man's voice. And people are saying straight up, no, you need to be quiet. Don't call out to the Savior. And Jesus said, no, no, bring this man to me. And Jesus heard him, and he listened to him, and he understood his need, and he reached out. Just like the leper I mentioned earlier, the lepers had to walk around and yell, unclean, unclean, so people knew. And Jesus could hear these shouts, and Jesus still healed the leper physically and touched him. And in this instant here, and there's many instances in the Bible, well, Jesus is a great listener, unbelievable listener. And what's profound about Jesus is he can ask great questions because he's a really good listener. He was so good at that. And it's something I think we can learn from. I think most people don't necessarily listen with the intent to understand. I think sometimes we, we listen with the intent to reply. And there's a difference. 
We need to engage with people as they're talking and sharing the story so we're able to see what's going on and ask those deeper questions we need. But oftentimes, we focus in our own interest, we kind of take over conversations, or we're not even interested in somebody, and we make it all about ourselves. And I think one of the great ways to learn about people is to ask questions and to listen really, really well. And I think the church can be so good at that because when we hear people's stories and what's going on in their life, we're able to help them understand what's going on more so. But if we keep talking about ourselves, then we're in trouble. And I think one of those things we need to do is ask those kind of questions because when we listen, it's a form of love, isn't it? And Jesus did that. He modeled that. It shows people that we care and it shows people that we respect people's insights and opinions. You know, oftentimes uh, we'll be in a conversation and somebody might share about their heart and what's kind of going on and it ends up we start talking just about ourselves. And I know it's good to tell stories and relate to what they're doing, going through, and those things are all good. But sometimes we just need to listen. My wife will say to me when we're talking, and as a guy you can relate to this, we are fixers. Let's fix it all. Laura, let's talk. She's my wife. We'll talk and I'll try to give her an idea here, an idea there. And she'll often look at me and go, all I need you to do is listen. Amen? And when I do that, it encourages her and it helps me understand the situation way deeper than if I try to start waiting for me to talk. And I think one of the ways we can do uh, is to build the church is to be better listeners and not just focus on ourselves and ask those questions and make it about somebody else. And here's a, here's the thing I want to challenge you with, and I said this in the first service as well. I'd ask you to ask somebody else that somebody's close to you in your life, whether it's a spouse or a good friend, ask them truly and, the, and ask them this question, do you think I'm a good listener? And, I'm, and I want you to get permission to be open to what you're about to receive and give that person full permission. After first service today, somebody came up to me and they asked me, Mesh, do you think I'm a good listener? And I put my hand on this person's shoulder. I said, brother, not really. I said, 50-50. And he was so open to that. And, and I gave him some, some examples, and his heart was just in the right sp space. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. That's all what I'm saying. But I love this teachability and his openness to want to learn and to grow. It's a hard exercise, but if we're willing to ask ourselves that real question, do I listen well? Do I listen like Jesus would listen? I think it's going to make a big difference in the relationships around us. Because I know when I go into a situation and I really need to be listened to and people are just kind of talking about themselves, even if I say to them straight up, I just need you to listen for a minute, and it becomes more about them, it gets frustrating. It gets hard. And there are times where you just want to stop talking. So church, let's think about that. Jesus was good at that. He listened to Nicodemus. He answered the thief on the cross. He listened to children who gathered around him. He listened to his disciples. And the greatest time he listened was with his heavenly father. He often spent time alone, and that's one of the ways we can do is by connecting with Jesus and connecting with our Heavenly Father so we can understand how we can listen better as well. We also love with time. Pastor Chris talked about this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to touch on this really quickly. Uh, there's a teenager who, who, who was tired of reading bedtime stories uh, to his little sister, decided to record several of their favorite stories on tape. He told her, now you can hear your stories anytime you want. Isn't that great? And she looked at the machine for a moment, and they replied, no, it doesn't have a lap. This child wanted the investment of time, and that makes a huge difference. When I spend time with my children and engage with them, they, are, they shine bright. 
They are encouraged and engaged. And something that we need to recognize that, and we all have the same amount of time in the day. I understand some of you are busier than I am, or you have different jobs, I get all that. But what I'm saying is that we need to spend time with people. Not just with people we know, but people that are outside of our circle as well. See, Jesus was never in a rush. If you read the scriptures in Luke 5, when he's speaking to a crowd, he wasn't in a rush. When he's performing a healing in Luke 8, he wasn't in a rush. He took his time. He was with people. And that's an amazing thing about Christ is that he took his time with people. See, all of us are given the same amount of time a day. The question I had for you and for myself too, I have to ask is, what do we do with our time? Where are we investing? Are we investing in relationship? Are you investing our relationship with God? And are we investing with other people as well? Because as you spend time with people, it's going to be an encouragement, not just for you, but also for them. And as you think about your circle of life and your circle of influence, oftentimes we spend time with people that are part of our circle. And I don't think that's a bad thing because we need community. We need to connect. We absolutely need to do that. But here's where it gets tricky. Sometimes in the church, our community becomes exclusive. And we don't welcome other people in. It may not be intentional, but we still do it. And I think one of the greatest things I've seen recently here at Meadowbrook, and it's happened for probably years, but we're seeing more of it as staff have talked, more of you are opening up your doors. More of you are opening up your homes. More of you are inviting people into your house. That's exciting. Good for you. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to start looking at that. What does that look like? And often people will say, well, my house is a mess. I don't want people in my home. If your house is messy and people are coming over, ask them to help you clean up. There's a solution right there. <laughs> Don't worry about your house being a mess. Don't worry about having a small home. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Because the greatest thing you can do is open up that front door and welcome somebody in. And you accept them for who they are and where they're at. And conversations that take place over food are amazing, aren't they? It can open up fellowship. Acts chapter 2 is a great example of that. They, broke, they had fellowship together, they broke bread together, they served as they saw needs. And in all that, the reason they knew people's needs is people shared them. Obviously, you can tell there's a physical need. Well, when someone's going through an emotional need, you need to share that. What's amazing about that, if you read the scripture, that 3,000 people came to faith in that church. And that's what it's about as well. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. Uh, one of my best friends uh, died of cancer. Uh, when he was just over 30 years old. That was about 12 years ago now. And I was the best man at his wedding, and I was a pallbearer at his funeral. And he, he was young, and he was going through some tough things with his sickness, obviously. And, you know, oftentimes when somebody's going through something like that, uh, people always ask the question, how you doing, how you feeling? And it just got really, he appreciated it, but it got really hard. It just got hard because it was the same questions all the time. So I intentionally stopped asking the question. What I simply did, and I did this quite often, I simply went to his house, I sat in his living room. I didn't say anything. I just sat. And I let him be. And I was present in his life. And I did that on a regular basis. And it meant the world to him. Before he passed, he had said to me, he's in glory now in heaven with Jesus, which is great. I miss him, but he's in heaven. He said to me, he so appreciated me coming alongside, spending time with him without trying to have all the answers. Because I don't have all the answers. And that made a huge difference in his life. And there's people right now that you know of that simply want you to come by and hang around and to connect with and to spend time with. And we just need to look at our circle of life and go, who else can I engage with? Who else can I invite? 
what should I be praying for? Should I be praying about this person to engage more in community? Because that's what I think we're called to do as a church is to spend time together so we can make an impact on people's lives. There's a story about four people. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody thought somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about this because it was everybody else's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. See, what's fascinating to me in the church, and I'll own this as well for myself, we can pass the buck pretty quick, can't we? We say somebody else will get it done. Somebody else will engage that person. Somebody else will say hi to that person. Somebody else will invite them to their home. Those are big assumptions. And I think it's important for every single one of us to realize we play a huge part in God's mission. See, our vision statement here at the church is loving Jesus by loving people. And that's what we're called to do is love Jesus and love others. And one of the ways we can do that is by spending time with people, reaching out to people that may be lonely. Even though we may not know they're lonely, we still reach out. That's one of the things we should be doing as we think about this idea about this. Now, we can't impact everyone, but you can impact one person. You can impact somebody. Every single one of us can, and some of you are already doing that. Praise God for that. But the encouragement this morning is to expand your circle a little bit more, take some risks to see how God will bring people in your life so you can show them the hands and feet of Christ in very simple and practical ways. Now, it's not easy. I get that. It's not easy. It's hard. It's a challenge. There's people out there that drain the life out of you. I get it. And if you can't think of who that person is, it's probably you. <laughs> and I understand that wholeheartedly. There are times I meet with people, I come home, and I'm like, I need a nap. However, in that moment, in that present time when I'm with that person, I try to make it about them as best as I can. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what he did. He modeled that so well. And it's something to consider. Now, what if you feel alone this morning and you're here? I'm going to say this to you. You are not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You are loved. You are loved by God wholeheartedly. That's where it begins. You are loved by Jesus. Please know that in your heart. And the, and the challenging thing is uh, when people are lonely, it's sometimes hard to, to tell. And I want to say this and be very clear about this as well. You might be feeling excluded, but I don't think there's anybody doing it on purpose necessarily. And there's also a responsibility we need to take too if we are feeling alone and isolated in the church or in our life, in our communities. You need to let somebody know. Because I'm not a mind reader. My wife will tell you that. I can't tell what you're thinking. I can't tell what you're going through unless you take the risk and say, here's where I'm at. Find somebody safe that you can share that with because that's part of your responsibility as well because we can't just come in and through the doors of the church and our communities we live in and say, oh, I'm so lonely. Nobody cares. Well, how do I know? How do we know? So you got to own that as well. And the other flip side of that too is for us that need to take more responsibility, make, takes more risk, to engage other people, to invite them into our circle so we don't disclude people, so we include them and we become the church. And I think God is doing some great things here. Please hear that, people. Please hear that 100%. Meadowbrook is doing some great things because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. But can you imagine if we all dug a little bit deeper into the Holy Spirit 
and we just took that extra risk to engage one person, whether it's through prayer, through evangelism, or engaging in the church, can you imagine what would take place? Unbelievable things would happen. It'd be amazing. And it's happening. It is happening. But I still think it can happen even more so. Now, your loneliness is not out of God's hands. Please hear that. That's where it begins. God can fill you. Jesus can give you the strength you need. And yet we're called to have relationship and fellowship with other people, aren't we? 100%. And that's what the church is about, engaging with Jesus and engaging with others. And so don't forget that you need to start with Jesus. It's got to start there. Come to the throne and tell him what you're feeling and help him fill that void. And yet he also wants you to have a relationship with other people so you can build in community. So what do we do? So here's a few things for you today and for myself. What small step can you take to make an impact on someone? What small thing can you do? Change the narrative a little bit. It doesn't have to be this huge thing, throw a block party, whatever. It doesn't make any of that stuff. Something so small but significant that would make a difference. It would stretch you. You'd feel a little stretched, but it'll make an impact on somebody else. What can you do? It's so small, but you know it's making a difference. If you're feeling alone, how have you included Christ in your journey? Again, let's start there. Is Jesus aware about how you're feeling? Because uh, he's not afraid to hear anything from us. So we're allowed to tell him how we feel. And what can you do to share your struggle with someone? See, that's the kicker sometimes, isn't it? We don't know what's going on because we're not able to share it. We don't feel safe enough to share it. And I think we got to recognize that it's okay to share these things with people and to find those safe people we can share with. You know, it's, it's hard. I get it. It's hard. It's a challenge for me all the time. But what I recognize is this. When we engage and we try to help people that are feeling lonely or spend time with people or come alongside with a physical touch that's appropriate, good things happen. I'm going to wrap up with a quick story here. Years ago, and I haven't shared this publicly very often, but I'll share it this morning. Years ago, uh, when my father was alive, uh, he had an affair. Uh, he actually had two affairs when, I was living, when he was alive. And I ended up meeting both of the women, but I had no idea what was going on. And I remember I was 21 years old, and my dad was having a second affair. And he uh, went away for the weekend with my mom to help reconcile the relationship. And this affair has been going on for a long time. And so they went away uh, for the weekend. But they decided to come back early. They came back a day early. So my, my father dropped off my mom at the house, and he left, and he went to go see his mistress. And he got to their house, and he knocked, walked in through the door, which he normally would have done. And it turns out, when he walked in, he saw his mistress, mistress having an affair with somebody else. And that happened on that Sunday night, but I didn't find out about it until Monday morning. And I remember going to find my dad because he was at work. And I went to see my dad. And he told me what had happened. And my dad and I had a pretty good relationship, but we were never physical. The first time I told him I loved him when I was about 23 years old, somewhere in that range, he looked at me and he told me the story of what had happened to him. And in that moment, I could have jumped all over him. I could have said, in your face, look what happened to you. Look what you did to mom. Second time, you deserve that. But in that moment, there's a softness. It's a Holy Spirit moment. And his eyes were filled with tears. And I looked at him, and I haven't hugged my dad very much at this point. I walked up to him again. I said, Dad, I love you, and I hugged him. 
And that was it. He brought that up years after. And he said to me, I needed you to be there. I was feeling so lonely, so isolated, so scared. But you accepted me. The story goes on with my dad. He, he, he stopped all that stuff and he accepted Christ before he died about a year and a bit ago. And praise God that God can redeem anyone. Hallelujah. And that's what he did. And I share that story with you because my dad was feeling alone. He was feeling isolated. And I could have not approached him in fellowship, but I did anyway. He's a, he wasn't a Christian at the time. And I want you to be encouraged by that. Because there might be somebody in your life right now that has either done something to you or you're feeling not connected with anymore that you simply need to come across and show them Christ's love. Even though there's parts of you that say, I don't want to do it because you have no idea what they've done to me. I've been there. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of Jesus in our life. It's only Jesus. Worship team, come on up. I'm going to wrap this up. And as you've come this morning, we want to encourage you. And there will be prayer available after service. And if you come this morning and you're that person that's just feeling isolated, alone, vulnerable, don't know what to do, we encourage you to come for prayer. But if you're also that person that needs to just kind of expand your circle a little bit, you just don't know how to do it, come for prayer. We love to do that with you. The Bible says this in Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, God can give us the strength we need. He can give us the strength we need. Do not fear whatever it is you're going through this morning. If you're feeling isolated and island to yourself, come forward. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for, for your love, for your example to us, for how you have set the bar so high. And I know, Lord, you don't want us to be perfect because none of us are. You want us to be faithful and be witnesses for you. So I pray in Jesus' name now that you'd show us people in our life that need that encouragement. They need just love. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the courage and the strength to follow through. And for those who've come this morning that are feeling isolated or alone, I pray, Jesus, you would give them strength. You give them hope. You'd give them courage also to share where they're at. Lord, thank you for Meadowbrook Church. Thank you for what you're doing in and through the people here. We're so grateful. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would pour over your Holy Spirit amongst this church even more so, that we would not be settling. We would not just be content with what's going on. We would want more because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would see this church grow in depth and in community and in love. Lord, I understand I can't love anybody on my own strength. And I pray, Jesus, you would give us a supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help us love, help us to listen, help us not to make it about ourselves, but, Lord, to put it all on the floor for your kingdom. So thank you again for this morning. Thank you that you love us. We ask this in your name. Amen. call our prayer team forward. Um, if you guys are needing prayer, um, please feel free to come forward and let someone pray for you. Uh, it's not a time to feel embarrassed or shy. Um, we just want to lay hands on you when we want the Lord's blessing on you. Um, and I just ask that if you are not wanting prayer, that you would just visit outside in the lobby or at the cafe. Uh, let's wrap up our service with a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are perfect and that in your perfect state you still love us, God, that you still seek our hearts and you still desire a relationship with us. Lord, I ask that as we leave this place, you would reveal to us where you want us to go. Father, who you want us to talk to, where you want us to read, Lord. May we be men and women who live like we are loved by a king, that we are loved by a heavenly father who has a greater purpose for our lives, Lord. So um, just give us a desire to seek you out this week. We ask these things in your name. Amen.